Maureen, I apologize to everyone. I want to apologize to you again. Sorry about last week. It's easily done. I think Maureen said, I mean, at the very latest, it will be 5 a.m. for Alison. And I was like, oh, Alison's not coming. She's not coming. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Women Talking Bollocks, a podcast where you'll hear, well, three women talking utterly bollocks. What you won't hear is anyone nattering on about fashion, makeup, diets, or those blinking Kardashians. I'm not even sure I know who they are, if I'm honest. But what you will hear is some uplifting, irreverent chat with myself, Jen Brister, and my two very dear friends, comedians and women, the very wonderful, if slightly eccentric, Maureen Younger, and the dashing kind charisma bomb that is Alison June Smith. Well, we just want to say we're back, patrons. We're back. And we're so excited to have you back with us. Uh, A quick shout out. Thank you, Hazel, for joining us. We're so excited to have you be a part of the WTB team. And if you are interested in joining the WTB train, you can join us at patreon.com forward slash WTB podcast to get all of your Patreon extras. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Do you know what? I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for this jelly, but today I am. Um, and actually, if we'd have done it last week or whenever it was that we were going to do it, it was it was the, the timing was wrong. But today, I feel like the moons have aligned, the stars have ascended, the, the sky has lifted, and the clouds have parted, and here WTB has returned, and we are all at peak. We're all, actually I've got a cold. Has anyone else oh, got a cold? Yeah, I feel like I'm coming down with the cold. Yeah, I mean, I, we're going to have to edit that first bit out. Never mind. <laughs> So what time is it over there, Alison, now? Right now, I'm at uh, 5.41 a.m., everyone. This is absolutely the worst possible time to be doing a podcast because you are not even awake. But you look amazing, Alison. This is the thing. Maureen and I have been awake for hours because it's 20 to, (laughs) you know, quarter to one in the afternoon as we record this. And um, I look like death. Maureen, I mean, you don't look like death, but... No, thank you. You haven't... (laughs) <laughs> Put your makeup. You haven't got your lippy on like you normally. I've got do. A lippy on. I've got oh. lipstick on. The lighter lippy. Yeah. Oh, not too close to the screen. Thank. <laughs> but Alison, you, you're glowing, and you've got lip. You've got you've got some sort of a, a sheer gloss on or something. Yeah, it's Carmax because it's so dry here uh, that uh, my lip will crack if I do the podcast without this on my lips. Oh, yeah. really? You've got a gloss in your hair, which is insane. She also has a gloss in her hair. Thanks, guys. I got it done yesterday. This is what yesterday's hair looks like. Oh, hey. Really? Oh, you got a haircut. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you look I was gonna say, I can tell. It looks really good. And there's a bounce to it and a little bit of zhuzh and a bit of zhazhazhazh and a what a little bit. So what are you doing in Canada apart from getting your hair cut? Because it seems a long way to go for the hairdressers. Yeah, it is. Uh I have been spending time with my parents. That has been the main journey out here. My mom was supposed to be, this is very exciting uh, podcast talk. Uh, my mom was supposed to be getting a hip replacement right now, but uh, it's not going to happen until the end of October. So this is just a visit. We're just doing a visit. Are you doing stand up while you're over there or is it just a visit? I did a total of four gigs, which was great. Last weekend I was at the Yuck Yucks in Calgary, headlined that. Danny did a middle spot. I get so excited when Danny does spot out here. Yeah. Did he, he enjoy it? Loves it. He loves doing it here because now he's learned like the lingo. You know what I mean? Like certain words to put in. And, certain, and so it was just so fun to see he had such a good time my parents came they never come to watch comedy so i think this is the first time my dad's come in like nine years wow i want to come i was like oh he's coming for danny this isn't for me (laughs) he's coming for danny so it was cute did they enjoy it 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think they understood most of it, but I mean, they sat there I mean, and they smiled. They got free wine and wings. Oh, they were happy. Perfect. What more can you want? Free wine and wings. I'll come to Calgary for that. <laughs> and I gave them a lot of attention from stage. You know, they like that uh, sort of thing. Yeah, they like that thing. There they are. These are my parents. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So they had a good time. They had a good time, yeah. It's weird having your parents in watching stand-up, isn't it? It's like... It's so... Because it just makes it, like... You're just so nervous. My dad has never seen me do stand-up. Is it the cursing? Is it the content? Obviously, I don't swear, Alison, as you know. Yeah, never. never. swear. And obviously, I've never had sex because I've never been married. I mean, that is more or less true. But, I mean... You know, I would just get my dad, who calls me Mavis for reasons we won't go into, just this gruff Scotsman going, Mavis! You know, and nobody would know what was going on. This mad Scotsman just shouting at somebody. So I, no. Would he be shouting while you were on stage, though? Oh, possibly. Possibly, okay. I mean, you know, my da- I, I took my dad to this, they've got like a, a food market outside King's Cross. There's a Scottish kitchen there. So I took him there because I thought we'd get some Scottish food. And all he did, in front of the woman who was standing opposite, I was just go. £3.50 for a Brady. That's too expensive. £3.50 for a Scottish pie. And just kept going on about how expensive the food was in front of the woman. So, yeah, my dad doesn't really do tack. No. <laughs> yeah. I think there's something about shouting out from the audience, though, that I always think, wow, that's quite a brave thing to do because suddenly all the attention is on you. I imagine your dad might not enjoy that, but he might. I don't know. I don't think he would think it through. No, there's that, isn't it? There's always that. <laughs> I mean, I know you well enough to know that that could well be the case. My mum used to love watching me do stand-up. She absolutely loved it. It was a real treat for her. Yeah, she was very proud. A lot of it was about her, though, so she was probably like... Mm-hmm. Oh, that stuff, she would be like, her eyes would be rolling into the back of her head. But, um, yeah, she did. She really enjoyed it. She always thought, oh, Yennefer, you're so funny. You're so, so funny. You made me laugh. And I was like, I know, Mum, I am really funny. And uh, that would be one of the few things we agreed on, actually, was how, how funny oh, I am. Oh. <laughs> Whereas my parents are like, comedy's just not really our thing. It's not really what we do. I was like, right, enjoyment, just not your... That's cool. <laughs> also, they had COVID. Oh, that's unbelievable. I arrived and the first day I arrived, boom, COVID. I was like, we should test, guys, because they're like, the smoke in the air. There is no smoke anywhere in this air. I was like, yeah, so that was fun, too. I literally arrived and then walked out the door again. Hey, guy. Okay, I'll see you in five days. (laughs) (laughs) Is that ironic? Because you are, out of the three of us, you're the most, like, cautious. Yeah. Me and Jen are not forever. But you are the most cautious out of the three of us. That is typical. Alice and Jen and I, I started supporting Jen on her tour around the UK. I want to hear all about this. Tell me about the adventures that have happened so far. Jen, you've been loving your shows. It's Yeah, it's, it's gone really well. We got into the train and I got out a, a, what do you call it, a salad with lots of mayonnaise in it. What do you call it? It's a salad, Maureen. What do you call it? <laughs> salad with mayonnaise. Anyway, Jen just went, huh. See how long it takes you before that goes down your dress. Anyway, I opened it up, and for some reason, I don't know how, the mayonnaise did jump out, but onto Jen's face, not mine. No. So, <laughs> hit me in the eye. <laughs> she the opened like, up. I'll show honestly, you. <laughs> honestly, you couldn't have timed it better. I was like, oh, let's see how long that takes to. Oh, right in my face. <laughs> I found it funny. The guy next to Jen found it funny. Jen, not so much. I found it funny afterwards. No, I didn't actually. At no, no point, <laughs> at no point did I find it funny. I was like, oh, this is absolutely bloody typical. Also, because when you sit opposite Maureen when she's eating, you have to expect a certain amount of whatever's in her mouth to fly into your face. Yes, that's and true. And I thought, okay, I'm prepared for that. You know, so yeah. I was building up a screen of things I can put in front of me so that, you know, <laughs> I had a book. I was like, oh, I'm going to put my, like a jumper on top. But I, I was I was not prepared, prepared for the spray of mayonnaise that came from Maureen's. And I say salad in inverted commas, as you can well imagine. It was <laughs> literally just, what was it, Maureen? Pasta and mayonnaise and chicken. Maureen said, you'll be pleased to know, this is, Maureen always does this when she's, um, she thinks she's onto something good. Jen, you'll be pleased to know I got myself a salad. Anyway, this like literal tub of mayonnaise appears. I was like, mm. <laughs> okay, Maureen. Then we also uh, got invited out to a Michelin star restaurant, which obviously I hated. I, I don't think it was Michelin star. No, it was Michelin star. I saw it as I came in, so I knew it wasn't going to be good. And um, I looked at the menu, and there was like nothing normal on the whole menu. So I had to eat, get a side dish of boiled potatoes. There was fish. There was potatoes, there was lamb chops, there was a cut of beef. There was lots of food in there that Maureen was like, 
couldn't get her head around. When I, because there wasn't a chick in Kiev, Maureen just <laughs> shut down. <laughs> anyway, it was what can only be described as a really lovely restaurant with things called flavour. They had basically all kinds of food that any normal person would find interesting. It's a really expensive place to eat. Mm. They had beautiful cocktails. They had lovely mm. wine. Maureen was just like, I'm not eating this. This is no good. So in the end, we were like, okay, Maureen, we'll go somewhere that you want to go. That's fine. Because like, I, I can't be eating with Maureen when she's in a bad mood. Yeah. It ruins my meal. Uh, so Maureen said, no, no, no. I'll stay and not enjoy my food next to you. I did not say that. <laughs> no, you didn't say that, but you did that. <laughs> So in future, what's going to happen is, is I'm going out for lunch with Sam and Maureen will go to a greasy spoon and we'll reconvene later. <laughs> I'm going to eat some a beautiful, mich- cooked by a fantastic chef with all different flavours and lovely food. Alison, I think you would have loved it, in fairness. I would have loved it. Yeah, you would have loved it, Alison. I think most people that like food would have loved it. But Maureen's got three flavours. It's sugar... Fat, salt. Yeah. Carbohydrates. Carbs, yeah. To be fair, there was plenty of carbohydrates available in this restaurant. It wasn't like a protein-based restaurant. (laughs) Anyway, you liked the potatoes, didn't you, Maureen? I did like the potatoes. The potatoes were lovely. So we we spent like maybe 50 quid on Maureen's meal and she enjoyed the potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) To that Michelin star chef out there, she really liked the potatoes. The potatoes were really nice. Boiled potatoes were lovely. And I think you enjoyed your cocktail, in fairness. Yeah, I did enjoy the cocktail. What did you get? Was it not a pina colada? It was like a coconut. It was a daiquiri, wasn't it? So a, a version of a pina colada. Well, no, mm, it was very white. Yes, actually, it was white. It, was, it did look like milk, but it did have alcohol in it. Oh, God, boring. Hey, and also we went swimming. What? There was a hotel and we had a, there was a spa and we went swimming. I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so proud. <laughs> a, you were in a hotel with a spa. I'm so glad you went swimming. I was going to say, which which beach did you go to? But you don't swim in poo right now, so that's great. Uh, no. So we go to a spa, but Maureen doesn't do anything in the spa. She just, so no sauna, no steam room, but you did go for a swim. I went to the jacuzzi. And you went to the jacuzzi, yeah. See, now that's weird to me that you'll do a jacuzzi, but you're not into like a sauna or a, or a steam room kind of thing. Yeah, they're hot. Yeah. So it's a jacuzzi. Yeah, but it's different. I, I, no, jacuzzi's nice. I did go into the steam room for a bit. I, I don't really see the point of them. And then Jen wanted to go into the sauna. It was full of blokes and she kept waiting for them to leave and they never left. So in the end, she had to go in there with a sauna full of blokes. Yeah. Blokes never leave the sauna. They take no, it over. Whenever don't. I go anywhere, there's always like five guys crammed in a sauna and they sit there for hours. And I'm like, come on, gentlemen. There were these two guys and they were having a competition about who could stay in the sauna longest. So, you know, those like, they're really buff. They've, they've got tattoos, but only on their legs. <laughs> And you know the guys I'm talking about, right? Yeah, and they've got exactly the same haircut. They wear exactly the same clothes. They're, they're living exactly the same parallel existences. Anyway, they're in the sauna. And I know that they're in the middle of this competition because one of them looks like he's about to faint. And he's kept <laughs> slapping himself so that he can stay awake in this sauna. And the other guy was like just looking down. That's all he would do. Every now and again, he had some water with him. He'd take a sip and he'd look down as if to go, I will be the last person. They'd been in this sauna for about 40 minutes, which I'm pretty sure is not... Good. So I was like thinking they've got to come out eventually. Anyway, I go in, I'm in for about an additional, say, 10 minutes and I'm already feeling like, oh, this is a bit much. I don't know how they've stayed in that long without passing out. One of them just goes, ah, and staggers out, nearly falls over because he, he's so lightheaded. And then the other guy's like, oh, I'm the winner. And then he goes out and they're like high-fiving each other outside the sauna. And I thought, this is a testament, isn't it, to testosterone, mm-hmm. that a sauna which is a place where you go to relax, mm. be in your own thoughts, becomes like this machismo's competition about who can stay in long. I thought, I hope, I hope one of you just literally passes out and then I can step over you on my way out and just go, you pair of morons. But sadly... Um, they managed to make it out. They survived, sadly. Yeah, they survived. Hey, also, I was in Scandinavia, Alison, for a couple of days. Gigging or did you go on a holiday? Gigging. And I was staying in a four-star hotel, which was so posh. 
I couldn't switch the lights off in the room. There wasn't a switch. There was some kind of, I don't know, you need a degree in engineering to understand it. So at about two in the morning, I got fed up because I couldn't get the light off that was above my bed. I had to go down uh, to the lobby in my nighty because by this point, I couldn't give a shit. And I said, I can't get my lights off. And they went, we've had a lot of problems about this. We've had people <laughs> who can't switch the lights off. And it's like the biggest hotel. They built this through Scandinavia. It's their biggest one. And apparently they now have to get somebody to come in and do different lighting. That is brilliant. So Roy said, oh, I had to go down and get this guy to do my lights. Firstly, I was like, why didn't you phone? She was like, I was too cross. So I... I stormed downstairs in my night. Went down, yeah. But the classic was that the guy was like, oh, yeah, just join the queue. I mean, like this, everyone has come down. Because nobody at night were trying to go to sleep. Nobody knew how to turn the lights off. Because like you'd switch off some, but then some would stay on. And then you'd try and switch those off. And then the all lights would go back on again. So this young guy came into my room and he went, oh, let's hope I can remember how to do this. Because when I first started, I couldn't switch them off either. And I was like... I know. I mean, some designer must have thought this is a great idea. It's like, no, all we want is a switch, mate. Just a switch. I mean, it's something about Scandinavian hotels. I I, I mean, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. In Malmo, when I was in Sweden, I told Maureen this and she laughed her head off. I was like, basically, um, uh, (laughs) trying to get out of my uh, hotel room and I couldn't get out. And I was like, so I thought, why have they locked it? This is insane. So I'm like pushing the door going, why isn't it? And I had the key and I was like, well, it's not opening. I phoned down. I was like, well, your doors, they don't work properly. And I'm stuck in my room and I've got to get out. And he was like, um, okay, there should be nothing wrong with the doors. You should, they shouldn't lock from the inside. You should be able to get out. I was like, well, I can't get out. And he said, uh, okay, have you tried pulling the door? And I went, have I tried pulling the door? Okay, I'm out now. Thank you very much. Anyway, I've been but you know pushing. What? I was thinking of you when I was there because the doors in hotels in Scandinavia tend to open out into the corridor, which is the opposite of what they do in Britain. So actually, I can understand why you did that because they open the other way from our door. Yeah, I think it was. I was I was pulling the door and I was supposed to push the door. Push anyway, it. whatever it was, I, that was it. So I I couldn't because the door opened out and I had yes. been pulling it to go. Yeah, and he was like, oh, trying pushing the door. Anyway, as I got out, it's like, oh, that was some one of more the more humiliating experiences. That was a be more Maureen moment, is what that was, Jen. You had your own. Yeah, yeah it was my own. It was my own be more Maureen moment. And actually, another be more Maureen moment, telling it by getting it completely wrong. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, we're back, and that's we're back, and we'll be with you until Crimble time. That's, that's that's Christmas actually. But now it's uh, we've missed it. We haven't had enough of it and we want more of it. Could we please find out, Warren Younger, what your be my money moment is? I'd managed to block myself as a spam sender. I chose my own number and my own contact to block. <laughs> oh my God, Maureen, I don't... I'm not, I mean, I understand, but I don't understand. I've got to shut this down now. I've got to shut it down. Well, it's not the one which I was going to include Jen in this Be More Morning Story, but a Be More Morning Story happened last night. Uh, oh! We had, we, yeah, because we had book club last night and I completely forgot about it, even though I'm the one who organises it. So, oh, my God, that's <laughs> spectacular. I completely forgot about it. Oh, so, Maureen. <laughs> so what happened? In my defence, I'm going to do in my defence as always, I had to go to hospital, I had an hospital appointment, and because I'm trying to walk every day at least 20 minutes, so instead of getting the second bus... I walked from the first bus to the hospital, which obviously knackered me out. I came back home and oh, I'm going to have a little sleep. Obviously collapsed. And then I woke up about 7, book club was at 7.30. I was lounging in bed. And then luckily Sharon happened to message me and go, um, what's happening with book club? I can't see the link. I was like, oh, shit, because I hadn't even set up a Zoom. So I got on the thing and also there was loads of comments on the book club thing going, can you see the link? I'm thinking, no, because I haven't actually created it yet. And so um, book club started 10 minutes later than usual because I completely forgot that it was happening. That's okay. That's okay, Maureen. I think that's perfectly understandable. Actually, on this occasion, even though you organise book club and you've been advertising book club on Instagram and Twitter sort of relentlessly, on this occasion, I think I'm going to let you off because that's happened to all of us and it's, it's okay. I have, um, a, you know, a gig tonight and I'd already told Chloe that I could do all of these things. Yes, I can pick up the kids. Yes, I can do this. Yes, I'll be in tonight, uh, even though I've got a gig tonight. And I just <laughs> literally just told her, yes, 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 of course I can do all those things, even though I've looked at my diary and I can't do those things. And it's only registered with me, like, just before we, we started recording this. I was like, oh, I can't do any of those things because I'm working tonight, you absolute penis. Anyway, 
so we've all been there. We had a very good book club. And just to say, the book for this month is Affinity by Sarah Walter. I've never read anything by Sarah Walter. Sarah Walters. Yeah, Walters, sorry, yeah. Yeah, I've read it. Is it good? Yeah, it's good, but it's not my favourite of her books, but it is worth reading. It was one of the shorter ones. That was one of the reasons why we opted for it. But everybody loved The Constant Rabbit. So if you want a good book to read, uh, I totally suggest... I'm reading it right now. Are you? What do you think? Um... Oh, well, I haven't really started it, so... Oh, OK. But I've got it. <laughs> You've got it. OK. Well, I've ordered it. Well, that's that's a start. So so me saying I've, I'm reading it is an absolute lie. But <laughs> you told me to buy it, so I did. And I trust your judgment. I think you'll really like it. Maureen, that was not the Be More Maureen I was expecting. The Be More no. Maureen that I was expecting is quite something. Yeah, that'd be next week. I thought we were going to open with a bang, but we're going to open with a smaller bang and, and enter into a secondary bang next, next week. Next week will be a great one. And you'll appreciate it, Alison, as a comic, you'll appreciate it. Well, I'm dead excited because I, I think it's very interesting. We've started this season with the first Be More Maureen and Jen going, no, I'll give you that one. That is not, <laughs> that's not how we've started. No, no. It's a whole new season, gang. It's exactly. Who are we? I'm slightly uh, wrong-footed by that particular Beam Memorial and I was expecting a different one and I was really ready to sort of delve deep into that one yes. because that one is one of the finest Beam Memorials. Anyway, let us move on. Thank you very much, Maureen Younger, for your Beam Memorial moment. It's time now for some common sense, for heaven's sake, which we've all <laughs> desperately needed up until this point. It's been missing. Let us go to Alison June-Smith because finally it's time to ask Alison. <laughs> Go to the gym, get it together, pay your taxes and stop eating chips. Take my advice. Take my advice, cause I ain't using it. No, no. No, no. Take my advice, I ain't using it. Hey. Okay, well, look, I feel like I may have touched base on this, but somebody sent me this specifically. So I'm like, we're going to get right back into this. So uh, somebody wrote in, how do I find a new hobby? And I was like, oh, isn't that interesting hobbies? And I, being with my parents for the last little portion of time, can I say hobbies are very important to keep the gray matter working, everyone. So I th was like, yep, I'm going to dive into hobbies again because I think it's a very, very important thing. So finding a new hobby. First off, people are going to go, why is a hobby important? Right. I don't have enough time. Why the hell is a hobby important? And I thought this was interesting. A research team from the University of Pittsburgh and Texas, they published this research that they did, and they developed a scale called the Pittsburgh Enjoyable Activities Test to measure the effectiveness of hobbies and leisure on overall health. Here's what they found. People who score higher on enjoyable activities have lower body mass smaller waists, hello, lower blood pressure, lower stress hormones, and overall better physical function. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, lower waist size just because you find something that you enjoy. Uh, also, more sleep. You sleep better. Happiness. People say you have more friends if you are involving yourself in your own hobbies because it gives you something to talk about when you're with people. It improves work performance. Thank you very much. A study from San Francisco State University found that people who do have hobbies actually uh, perform better at work. And the thing that I think is interesting is when you're picking a hobby, find one that makes you happy, that you enjoy doing, and overall it will just improve your work. Don't be choosing a hobby to be better at work. Which brings me to hobbies versus interests. Okay, so a lot of people are like, oh, a hobby is something that I'm interested. No, I thought this was interesting. An interest is a desire to learn about something. A hobby is physically doing something. So a hobby is actually involving yourself in something. An interest is just learning about it. Exactly. Jen's hobby, swimming. Yes, please. I started to think to myself, I was like, well, what is my hobby? What is Plants. Plants. I didn't even oh, mean yeah. for it. But during the pandemic, my life became plants. And now I have plant babies all over my house. And I was like, oh, my God, I found a hobby without even realizing I found a hobby. So that was very exciting. So that's the difference. Hobby, physically doing something, interest, learning about something. People will say they don't have the time. Now, I understand we're all leading busy lives. When you're thinking about a hobby, here's what I want you to do. Don't think on daily basis. Don't go, oh, my God, how am I going to fit this into my daily? No, 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 no. Think about your whole week. 
If you only have like an hour once a week to do your hobby, that's fine. Think of your life in terms of weeks, not in terms of days. Sometimes we get overwhelmed when we think about, um, do I have time to do this every day? No, nobody has time to do everything every day. We hardly have enough time to brush our teeth every day. So don't put that pressure on yourself. Think in terms of the whole week. Do I have 30 minutes? Do I have an hour? Yes, you do. And I'll tell you what, people think they don't have time. But you know what? How often are you scrolling through your phone? I am telling you, the amount of times you're probably scrolling on your phone is over five hours a week. All you got to do is put that phone down for like an hour a week and get yourself into something else. I'm telling you overall again, just a very nice thing. So how to find a hobby. This is what I thought was interesting because you're like, well, where do I start? All right. What's your goal for the hobby? And I know I'm taking the fun out of it saying, what's your goal? But like, do you want to find a hobby to relax? Do you want to find a hobby to keep fit? Do you want to find a hobby that teaches you a bit of a skill? Do you want to find a hobby for escapism? What's your goal of the hobby? Why do you want a hobby? That will kind of help you to figure out what you want to do. Go hobby hunting with a friend, maybe, right? Get together with somebody. Go walk around a craft store. Maureen, I know you, knitting. You love going in, looking at yarn, looking at wool, finding someone else to do this with, a very nice social activity. Also, walking around that craft store. I bet you you've been inspired again. Didn't you start crocheting as well at one point? No, I tried a little bit of crocheting, but it's easier to knit for me. You Knitting was your thing. Chloe, Chloe tried to crochet, didn't she? Chloe did crochet. Yeah, Chloe tried to crochet and she very quickly gave it up because it was so hard. I think she will try again, to be fair. It's okay, though. You know what? I want to encourage people. If you try something and it's not for you, abandon it. It's fine. You have not failed. If time isn't flying by naturally, that's not the hobby for you, okay? So don't be afraid to try things. If it doesn't work out, psh, oh, well, you've spent a bit of money on yarn that you're not going to use, not the end of the world. Think about your childhood. This is a big thing I think people forget about. What did you do as a kid? What were the things you liked to do? Were you a drawer? Did you ride your bike? Uh, did you play with Barbie? What was it you did? If you think back to your childhood, obviously a lot of the things we do instinctively when we're kids, that's a love that we have. So go back to your childhood. How do you like to spend your time? Are you a cook? Well, if you like to cook, I'm not saying cooking should be your hobby. Do a side thing. Maybe you want to start to collect interesting serving dishes or antique things, something that branches off of something that you already enjoy, but is not just that, something else that takes you away from that thing. That's a good one. Uh, family pet, if you got a pet, maybe something around the pet. If you have kids, something around the kids. There was one mom I said, I noticed she started doing t-shirts for her kids' teams and everyone liked the t-shirts so much that they were like, oh my God, these are great t-shirts. She now has a t-shirt company that she's just, and she's like, it just started as a hobby. I started doing it because my kids' teams needed t-shirts. Then people said, boom, now she's got a business from this thing that she thought was going to be a hobby. So you never know. Look at what your life already kind of has. And maybe, maybe there's a little bit of a hobby off of that. Um, can exercise be a hobby? Sure it can. But again, I want you to find a side thing, right? I don't want it just to be like with swimming, Jen, I bet you found a lot of things like uh, looking into swimming. You have to buy uh, apparel now for swimming, right? You need like uh, maybe uh, yeah. socks, right? For the rocks on the on the shore. These things can come and be exciting at that point. You're like, ooh, maybe I'll look for this antique thing or I'll, I'll, I'll I don't know, I'll buy a new swim towel. Oh, what are the coats everyone was buying? What are they called? The, the wet? They're, they're dry robes. They're dry robes. Dry robes. The exact opposite of what I said. Dry robes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, there's a lot of things you can think about in terms of that. Uh, meditation wasn't one I wanted to throw out there. I know it seems like work, but sometimes meditation is really good for everyone. Try a hobby that is the opposite of what you think you'd like. You never know. Give something a try. Painting? Give it a fucking go. Who knows? Maybe you like painting. If you don't, that's all right. Maybe you'll find something else based around painting. Um, notice what you like to buy as a guilty pleasure. Maybe guilty pleasures are the inspiration for your hobby. Who knows? Uh, that's one thing. Look for a hobby that also makes you confident. That you find something you go, like, I know, Maureen, your knitting is exceptional. When you started, I couldn't believe how quickly, honestly, you're, you're like, it's so perfect. Even out of the gate, your knitting was like so bang on. Every time I saw one of your sweaters, I was like, holy shit, look at that. You have to admit, you had pride in those sweaters. You wore them right away. Yeah. And it was really funny because most people are really shocked because it's, you know, they're really well knitted. Yeah. 
Because you, you wouldn't expect that from me, to be honest. You'd expect no, the, there's you, a, attention to detail there that no one is expecting, Maureen. Yeah, I don't normally have attention to detail. And time flies by when you're knitting too. You enjoy that. And it is kind of meditative, in the meditation-wise. That's it. You have to count every single stitch and then do this and do that and check the different rows. And it is actually very mathematical. And I found it when I, obviously I was very stressed at the time. It was a yeah. way of me relaxing, to be honest, because I wasn't thinking for once about my housing. Absolutely. They call that flow state. You found your flow state. You were in something that time went quickly. It didn't feel like it was a burden. That's what they say. So ideally, your hobby should be a flow state, something for you that time flies by, you get in, rejuvenated by it. That's when you know, bang, I've got my hobby. I got to tell you, taking care of my plants, I love it so much. I know it's ridiculous, but like two hours can go by and I'm still wiping leaves and I'm like, I love you so much, my rubber tree. <laughs> Which, by the way, do you remember I got that rubber plant from when I went to Brighton and did that fundraiser, yeah. Jen, years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had three leaves. Now it's like 20 leaves tall. Like my baby has grown so much. Um, but that's just me. Also, hey, it may take a while to find the right hobby, everyone. Like I said, experiment take some chances, do something different. Maybe looking for a hobby is your hobby for the first little while. Who knows, right? Maybe that's it. You're like, I'm on a hobby search. This is my hobby. It's very, very important that you just know that it may not come right away, but there is a hobby out there for you. Overall, mentally, physically, I just think having something that makes the time pass that you enjoy, that you don't feel pressure about learning or doing, can benefit you immensely. So I encourage you all, look for a hobby, enjoy the process. I'm telling you, there will only be benefits from a hobby. That is my advice for everyone. Brilliant. Thank you, Alison. That is very good advice. Um, and uh, I think the whole, basically, just to just to go on from what Maureen was saying as well, is that often with a hobby, the reason why you enjoy it, and you, you, you mentioned meditation in there and, and people might eye roll at meditation. But if you have a hobby that you really enjoy, I think what it does, what it gives you that we don't have a lot of the time is it pulls you into the present and it makes you it makes it, you're, you're, you're present in the thing that you're doing in that moment. And there's something that very moment. healthy mentally about doing that. So it doesn't matter if it's physical exercise or if it's knitting or if it's gardening or whatever it is that you enjoy doing. If it's that one thing that takes you out of because we're constantly live. We don't live our lives in the present. We live our lives almost in the future, don't we? Oh, I've got yep. to go and do this or I must yes. do that. I have to make sure that this is done by that time that we forget that just to be present in where we are who we are in this in this moment and meditation is actually very healthy and it's important to do something that is meditative if even if you think meditation is a pile of old crap which it it, it absolutely isn't and it can really be life-changing but if it, whether it be knitting or, or polishing your your plants leaves or for me being in the in the sea I am very present I'm not thinking about anything in the future I'm thinking about being in the water and what I need to do next in order to, where am I going? Am I going to here? Then I'll swim to here and then I'll swim back, whatever it is. And I think that that is the thing that hobbies will give you. If you can find one that, that, that you enjoy, yeah. it's, it's, and it's so important, especially as we get older, because we lose, and I mean, this is just a fact. We lose serotonin. The older we get, we lose dopamine, those things that those chemicals that we need to make us happy. And I see it with my parents and I wish that they had more interests of things they like to See, do my dad is the exact opposite my dad is 80 well he's 86 i think now but he looks a lot younger and my dad is always doing stuff he's got his bowls he's always he's ever fun up he's at the he's at the bowls he's got his garden he's always making stuff you know he made he made cupboards for the bowling club who's made a shed out of god knows what once uh, out of something else and it's he's always doing stuff and i think that is the reason that, you know, if you're 86 and you're just sitting in your armchair, I know some people have health issues and they're limited, but if you're sitting in an armchair all day watching TV, as opposed to my father, who is always, yes. always doing something, always active. And I think yeah. that does make a difference. Big difference. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see it with them. So that was the other thing. When someone wrote in, I need a hobby. I was like, oh my God, my parents need bloody hobbies other than just gambling. And anyway, uh, yeah. so get a hobby, get a hobby, everyone. Yeah. Parents are hard. It's very hard to encourage parents to do anything that they don't want to do because they're at yeah. that age where they're like, no, I'm, uh, this is who I am. <laughs> you will not tell me. <laughs> this is who I am. And I'm afraid you just have to manage this person until I die. And you're like, wow. Okay, great. Yeah, Good times. There we go. Yeah. Alison, thank you very much for your advices. Um, as always, they have been enlightening and uh, positive, which is something for fuck's sake we all need. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Boy, you look surprised that you're here. I've just woken up. And yet she still has applied mascara and lipstick. I just want to put it. It's called being professional, Alison. <laughs> <laughs> Let's think about We haven't been around for a while, so we've all been watching and listening and learning and doing. What have we all been watching, listening and learning and doing? Right. On TV, I, there's two films I want to recommend. Oh, two. Belle du Jour, which is a brilliant French movie starring the amazing Daniel Otoy. He's, he's worth watching anything he's in. And it's about a guy, I can't believe Daniel Otoy, he's playing a guy in his 70s now who's in a happy marriage, gets kicked out by his wife. And then he's a friend of the family, a friend of his son, has this company where you can choose a day in your life that you want to go back to, and they actually reenact it. So you go back, and they've got a set, and they reenact this day in your life that you were really, really happy. And he chooses a time in the 70s when he was in his 20s, and it was the day he met his wife, and they reenact that whole scenario. And as somebody who's of a certain age, you kind of go, oh, I can see that. Obviously, for me, it would be Vienna in the... 1984, but I can see the the appeal of going back to your youth and just reliving when you were very young and happy and obviously you didn't appreciate it at the time. And so this is what happens in the film. He reenacts, he goes back to his youth. So you've got this whole thing, there's like two old guys in their 70s, but they've been treated as like young men, you know. It's it's very funny, very amusing. Uh, definitely recommend it. It's on iPlayer at the moment, if you live in Britain. Another one is Their Finest, which is also on iPlayer at the moment, which is on BBC. A very good film set in the Second World War. It's got uh, Gemma Atherton, is it? Her? Gemma Atherton. Gemma Arterton, yeah. Arterton, and she plays a scriptwriter writing the slops, which is what they called women's dialogue in those days. <laughs> oh, writing, my. That is... Writing the slops, because obviously all the men have gone off to fight. And she's got to make a propaganda film. It's got Bill Nye as this aged actor who still. Of course, it's got Bill Nye. Yes, obviously. Uh, if if it has Bill Nye in, Maureen's watched it. I'm watching it. Um, <laughs> and he's this aged actor who still thinks he should be playing the lead. Helen McCrory as his agent. It's a very good film. Very funny. Very amusing. All about the, how they made the propaganda films in the war. And then the ending, I won't spoil it, is really unexpected. It goes in a way that you don't expect it to go. But I would watch it. It's a very good film. Uh, it's got Bill Nye in it, for God's sake. Watch it for that. Yeah, long. I know. We, we all love Bill Nye. So did you say that was uh, uh, BBC? BBC. Okay, great. And obviously it's on streaming channels every now and then. And then I watched the, only the one episode, so that shows you how much I enjoyed it, 
Ridley, which is the new police drama starring Adrian Dunbar. Oh, I, I like Adrian Dunbar. You like Adrian Dunbar, Yeah, I you? do. But it's like he's a cop who's who's been... His family's got murdered, so he's no longer a cop, but then he gets called in to help. Uh, I feel like you we've know, seen this of, before. You know what I mean? And then he sings a song at the end. I think of every end of the episode, he's also got some jazz bar where he sings a song at the end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not sold. I'm not sold, but I'm, I'm not not sold. I mean, I'd be open. Are you saying no? I only watched the one episode. I mean, I'd probably watch it again if it came on, but I wouldn't actively go and look for it. Do you know what I mean? Okay. It didn't grip me as. Okay. All right. More, some great suggestions. And, and, and that's on ITV, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I've obviously watched a lot of television (laughs) since um, uh, we were last on uh, podcasting. But uh, there was a particular miniseries I watched with Chloe um, that we really enjoyed, which we didn't watch when it first came out. Um, but uh, we watched uh, in the summer and it was it's called Made and it's on Netflix. I'm sure many people listening to this podcast will have already watched it. But if you haven't, it's an American limited series drama on Netflix and it's based on a memoir by Stephanie Land called Made Hard Work, Low Pay and A Mother's Will to Survive. And it's looking at a young woman. She's like, oh, my gosh, like early, early 20s, who is in an abusive relationship with a guy who it's sort of coercive emotional abuse, but they have a young daughter. And it's about her leaving him and then trying to create a life for herself and her daughter and how impossible it's made by the welfare system that exists in the States and often now is beginning to mirror what we have now in the UK thanks to years of austerity and uh, neoliberalism and trying to to shrink the state. Don't go there, Jen. Don't go. Yeah, you're right, Maureen. But this is a very well-written and beautifully acted. It has... When I watched it, I didn't realise the casting situation. The young girl, the young woman, her mum is played by Andy McDowell, who has quite severe bipolar and unmedicated. She won't take medication. So it's sort of undiagnosed, unmedicated. So she's having manic episodes. She's kind of all over the place. And the, the young woman, I mean, the casting is, in, is incredible because this young woman looks like her daughter. Anyway, it is her daughter. So <laughs> I found that out afterwards. She becomes a maid in order to try to get an income so that she can look after her daughter, basically. And also, she's ideally, she wants to go to college. She missed out on her opportunity to go to college because she got pregnant and she didn't have an abortion. She kept the baby. And now she's missed out on this scholarship and she's trying to get back in and get this scholarship so she can go back. It is a hard watch because she has so many struggles and so many tribulations, as you imagine you would if you were trying to work within a state that punishes you for being poor. But... It's not um, mawkish, it's not sentimental, it's just very, this is how it is and this is what happens when you're trying to work within the system and the the odds are stacked against you and good fucking luck. And sometimes she gets a bit of good luck and things go her way, but more often than not, things don't go her way. But it's it's a story of survival and it's a story of, of a woman doing what's best for her daughter. And it's so good. It's so well done. I mean, at times it's not necessarily the easiest watch, but spoiler, um, it, it's not. I, just in case people are like, oh, God, I don't think I can manage that. It's not It's not a bad ending. The ending is good. It's not like, ah, you know, they all lived happily ever after, but it's like, oh, yeah, there's something positive happening here at the end. So I would really recommend that. I think it's 10 episodes. It might be 12, actually. It's a miniseries, so it's a one-off. And the acting in it is just outstanding from everybody in it, particularly the young woman who plays uh, who plays and is Andy McDowell's daughter, whose name I don't I have now forgotten. That's great, isn't it? I always do that, don't I? Just to give you half the information. You're welcome. It's good to be consistent, Jen. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think, oh, I think her name is Margaret, Margaret Qualley. That's her name. Sarah Margaret Qualley is the, is the young woman. And I can highly recommend it. Alison, what is happening in the world of horror? All right, in my world of trash uh, horror. First off, I want to give a shout out. I watched a horrible one last night called Who's Killing the Cheerleaders? Loved every second of it, everyone. Uh, wow. It's, uh, yes. Yeah. It yeah. was a made for TV here in Canada. Who Killed the Cheerleaders? Spectacular, everyone. It was 
one of the worst things I've ever watched. <laughs> I watched every second of it. And Teddy and I were like, this is just so bad. It's amazing. So uh, Who Killed the Cheerleaders? Not the movie I want to recommend. Just a side note. The movie that I chose to go along with the problem of the idea of hobbies is a movie called Fright Night. Now, there was one released in the 80s. Yeah. Yes. It's got all they... those weird puppets. Like, yes. They're not puppets, are they? But they look like... Yeah, anyway, sorry. Yes, but on. they redid it. And I like the 2011 version better because it's more of like a teeny horror flick. So basically, a teenager suspects his new neighbor is a vampire, as you often do. Yeah. Can't even tell you the number of times I've been like, that fucker's a nightmare yeah. uh, vampire. Unable to convince anyone, he tries to enlist the help of a self-proclaimed vampire hunter and a magician in the remake of this 1985 comedy horror classic. Why did I choose it? Because the boys in this movie, their hobby is horror movies, and that's how they were able to identify that their neighbor was a vampire. So I'm just saying, guys, hobbies can come in handy when you're not expecting it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my pick, Fright Night, Prime Video. It has McLovin in it, everyone, which I just love that character. It's a very funny, not like a gory, scary. It's one of those teeny horror flicks. Yeah, I hate you. Love it. Fright Night. I remember my brothers watched the original and I was too scared to watch it. So I didn't. They, I remember they brought it back, uh, the video, and I saw the um, the cover and I was like, no, absolutely no. not going to watch that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they loved it. They're like, oh, it's really funny. You'll love it. And I never watched it, but I, I'm, aware, I'm aware of its existence. And uh, yeah. You perked up when I said it. You're like, ah, yes, I am aware of Fright Night. I love yeah, that you I re- remembered the video cover. <laughs> I know. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Because do, do you remember when you used to go to your local video store and you just see all the covers of all of the... Yeah. Which, which now, when you go and watch um, whatever you're getting on Netflix, or it, it, it picks a scene for you from the movie, doesn't it? So it's like, oh, Ooh. we think you'll you'll be attracted to this. The algorithm says you like this character in it. So you don't ever see the cover of the movie, do you? Yeah. you just like... It's not like the old days where we all knew the covers of every film, didn't we? Because oh. those po- you'd have po- you'd have film posters on your wall sometimes when you were a kid. Do you remember that? Is that just me? Yeah, no, absolutely. Walking around the Blockbuster just for hours, just looking. Oh God, I loved a video oh, store. Nicking the I'm posters from myself, Blockbuster. But... Yeah, you like you very carefully just take a little bit of the blue tech off, blue tech off until it falls off, and you're like. Rrr. Scroll it Can up you under your stole jumper. Posters you from a movie? Absolutely never did, but uh, um, you heard I, about I, it. I heard that this was something <laughs> that people did, and I, for one, was very against it. Uh, Alison, thank you very much for your horror recommendation. Um, and from teen trash, we have to head over to a corner that has been cultured deliberately <laughs> by Maureen Younger using her very own homemade cultures. Oh, Maureen, it's uh, cultural <laughs> corner time. Of course, it's the corner time that is often cultural, but sometimes just batshit. <laughs> well, that was a beautiful introduction. <laughs> Thank you for that. Just, gonna just get some more homegrown culture out. Um, right. Anyway, obviously we spend too much time with each other. Anyway, I, uh, as you know, this October... Uh, if you're listening in, uh, when this comes out, it's 100 years since the BBC was founded. So I'm looking at BBC drama. Okay. Oh, brilliant. Oh, yeah. wow. That is... 100 years. 100 years. Oh, right. I don't even know where you begin. BBC drama. So this is uh, a TV drama. So uh, I'm going to start off with, I don't know if you've heard of this, Alison. I'm sure Jen has. This Life. No. Oh, my God. Of course I've heard of it. It's an absolute classic. Have you not? Oh, Alison, you'd love it. It's on iPlay for the next couple of months. It was a serious broadcast in the 90s. I think originally it was on BBC Two. Word of mouth was so much, it became a massive, massive hit. It was It was, it was, it was unexpected. It was like a 20-somethings yeah. having a house share. Lawyers, uh, lawyers, lawyer under, oh, they undergraduates, were all, legal. They were lawyers. They oh. were all lawyers, sorry, yeah, yeah. And they're having a house share in South London. It does feature, I've got to warn you, Alison, it does feature casual sex and drugs, so you might not want to watch mm. it, and I've told you yeah, that. It's not really my thing, right? <laughs> Even gay, there was a gay relationship. Yeah, there was a gay man that? in there. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we were all like, what? What? It was very kind of realistic in a way that was unusual. i got great characters. You've got the guy from The Walking Dead, Andrew... Lincoln, Lincoln? He played Egg oh. and his girlfriend, Jack Davenport. Um, I've forgotten the Scottish actress's name. She was great in it. Oh, Nardelli. she was brilliant in it. Yeah, was it Anna? Was it... No, no. That I'm was her character's that, no. name. That was, was her something character, Nardelli yeah. or something. 
Because her, fa- her family run a really great ice cream shop Daniela in Nardini. Nardini. They've got a really great ice cream shop, which I've tried. And it was um, it was included on BFI's list of the 100 greatest British television programmes of all time. Alison, I think you would really like it. It's a really good series. This is life. This life. This life. Okay. Had Tanita Tickerham's brother in it? Do you remember? He played the, the love interest. It was really... And this was at the time of Call Britannia, so it kind of all fitted in with that kind of period and which seems years ago now but yeah i definitely recommend that this is now the next one i haven't seen but i've been told it's brilliant i think jen might have seen it bodies oh yeah 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 yeah. have you seen it i feel like i'm familiar with this tell me the, the what's the breakdown it's written by jed mercurio who of course is the guy behind line of duty it's a it's set in a hospital yeah 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 um, the main character is a specialist registrar called Rob Lake, who starts work in the obstetrics and gynaecology department. But it's different from your ho- normal hospital drama like Holby City or Casualty. Apparently there's graphical surgical uh, scenes, which slightly puts me off. And they did this thing with the camera, Maureen, where they, they it's just the, one of the first times you saw it, like a handheld camera. Oh, really? So it was kind of like uh, to make you feel like you as a person were there. So when they would have like somebody was... C- called into the emergency room and they were like, right, get them. And they were like panicking and trying to get all the stuff. The camera was right there. So the camera's moving really quickly and, and shaking. And mm. I mean, if you watch it now, you're like, oh, can somebody hold that camera still? Jesus, I feel like I'm going to have a stroke. It's it's a bit much, but it was the first time, well, certainly in this country, that we had seen that sort of direction where it kept cutting and moving. and Yeah, and I think it dealt with very dark themes. Um, the Times ranked it as ninth place in its list of shows of the decade and The Guardian ranked Bodies number 20 of the greatest television dramas of all time. It was huge at the time, wasn't it? Like, yeah, I, 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 think... I remember watching it. It was huge. Yeah, and I think it was written by Jed McCurry. That's always a good sign. Now, this one, I've watched part of it. I haven't watched every series, but when I started watching it, I thought it was brilliant. I think Jen's watched it as well. Last Tango in Halifax. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts brilliantly, but it does go downhill. Well, just watch the early ones then. It's got a fantastic cast. I mean, the actors alone were worth watching. Anne Reid, Derek Jacobi, Sarah Lancashire, Nicola Walker. I mean, you can't go wrong with them. And what is great is like two of the main characters are the older characters, so Anne Reid and Derek Jacobi, which is unusual in TV because TV is so ageism. Older characters are usually on the sidelines. They're like there for comedy effect or do you know what I mean? And they're never the main characters. And basically their characters, Celia and Alan, are both widowed. Uh, They were attracted to each other when they were young. They meet again and then their burgeoning romance plays against the lives of their daughters. And both daughters, of course, are very different from each other. Alan's daughter, Gillian, played by Nicola Walker. Nicola Walker is widowed and runs a farm while Caroline is Oxford educated and the principal of an educated school. It's a private school, Private isn't it? school, yeah. Yeah. And it's how their romance affects everybody. Perhaps I never got to the last bit, but I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. But I think by the time it got to sort of near the end, I felt like it kind of ran out of steam and it sort of got a bit crazy. It sometimes does that. A really good drama starts very naturalistically and you're like, ooh, I'm on board. And then it like, what? It's really hard. It's always something like if you watch Frasier, I've been watching a lot of Frasier on YouTube. You just appreciate how good the writing is because that was constantly good throughout the whole run. For like just 11 just years. don't pay attention to Daphne's accent or any of the other yeah. British accents that come the, to the, the show because you're like, accent, he is yeah. not from Manchester. No, definitely not. <laughs> I love that she was from Manchester, but her brother had this Cockney accent. Yeah. Oh, I, how's it going, Governor? Played, like, played by an Australian. Played by an Australian, yeah. It's like, yeah, guys, yeah. wait. Try to get some uniformity in where you're supposed to be from. In America, they don't care. Right, and then another great series was Life on Mars. I never saw it. Well, you can't currently see it on iPlayer, but you can see it on streaming. I thought it was brilliant. It's a British, British television series from the mid-noughties. It's a magical police officer from 2006, played by John Sim, who's a fantastic actor, finds himself working as a police officer in 1970s Manchester following a serious car accident. So it combines science fiction, time travel, period drama and police procedural drama. And I love it because you see the difference between policing the 70s and policing now. So at one point, they're trying to find some suspect and he knocks on the door and says to this woman, we're looking for, I think, an IC female. And she's like, what? And the, you know, the 70s cop goes, we're looking for a mouthy slag. I went, oh, yeah, you mean she's lived down the road. You know, and I think 
in a way, you kind of you like the idea that actually it's not so PC and not so woke as it is now. But on the other hand, you see the disadvantages. In fact, because it's there's so there's a lot of racism and sexism. Oh, and I love that because it shows it side by side. Shows the two sides. Ooh. No racism or sexism now, Maureen. It's uh, the police have really managed to knock that out of the force. But I think compared to what the seventies, yeah, where it yeah. was overt, where it's completely overt, you know. Um, I think it's really well done, and you the, it, and the, the tram travel does make sense. You know, you don't think it's a bit unbelievable. You kind of get the reason why, because you're not sure whether he's just dreaming this because he's in a coma, or whether he's really he's really gone into the 1970s. But it's a really really good series. I totally recommend it. And the last one, something different, Spiral, which is I think I've mentioned before, French police TV series and legal drama, following the work and the private lives of Paris police officers and the lawyers and judges at the Palais de Justice. It's hard hitting. It's realistic. It shows the underbelly of prison life. It's definitely not an ad for Paris tourism. Is that a BBC drama, Maureen? Yeah, it's on the BBC. Yeah, but it's not a BBC drama. It's yeah, just yeah, but but it's on the BBC. Oh, okay. So, you know, you can see it on iPlayer. And I think it might have been part sponsored by the BBC as well because it's an international co-production. So, <laughs> uh, Just for the listeners, uh, Maureen just uh, flipped me the bird. Um, the right up middle finger. In the middle <laughs> the right up the middle yep. finger there. <laughs> anyway, as I always say, I was really interrupted. Um, even though it's in, in, <laughs> in French and I technically speak French, I don't understand half the things they say because it's very fast. It's very, a lot of slang. The lead cop is played by Carolyn Proust. Her character is Lord Bertrand, uh, and she's a fantastic character. In fact, all the characters in this are brilliantly defined. It's great writing, and each series deals with a different crime. And besides the police, you also see the lawyers and the judges, because the French legal system is very different from the British one. And so you have the investigating magistrate judge, uh, François Robin, very great character. You have a kick-ass uh, female lawyer called Josephine Carlson, She's played by Audrey Fleuro. And you have assistant pro- prosecutor Pierre Clément, played by Gregory Fitoussi, who's worth watching. He's um, very easy on the eye. It's, I know that sounds sexist, but it's true. I waited. I was like, when's she going to comment about a hot guy in one of these? She's yeah, it's Gregory yeah, Fitoussi. Yeah. He's, he's well, very hot. Uh, that's great. You can watch that. That's all on iPlayer. You can watch all of Spiral on iPlayer. It's, um, it's brilliant. a French show, but the BBC have managed to attach themselves to it in some peripheral way thank you very much Maureen for your BBC recommendations there's loads to this I mean like there's zillions isn't there programs oh, there's watch, loads but on those but all of those are fantastic years I can't believe that yep wow brilliant recommendations Maureen thank you very much for your cultural corner we've learned we've we've loved we've grown and now we just want to get angry so Jen uh what the hell's been getting your goat lately <laughs> lose my shit over okay this is it right let's go what's happening now I cannot handle this uh well I'm just going to keep it light because there's so much absolutely atrocious stuff happening that we can't even keep up with it can we it's it's actually impossible to keep up with what is happening in this country that is currently being governed by absolute spoons so um we're not going to talk about that. I did talk about this with Maureen at the time and it happened a few weeks ago and I don't even know, but it's still, I even have to, I was like, I'm not going to talk about it because it happened ages ago and let let it go. But unfortunately, I can't let it go. Um, it's still, it's still annoying me. So I'm going to, I'm going to t- tell you about it and then you can tell me if I've over, overreacted. Okay. Bearing in mind that this is not a recent thing. Okay. So. It is during, and don't anyone get upset because I'm not going to be slacking any the Queen off or anything, but it was just after the Queen died in that morning period that we were having. And I met um, with a couple of friends who I haven't seen for actually decades. And uh, we met in a pub in Victoria, sort of like a reunion. Okay, Aww. so this pub in Victoria was probably a weird choice in some ways. But anyway, there we all were. And... <laughs> Of course, where we are in Victoria, I suppose it's quite close to St. James's Park. It's quite close to where people are going to visit the, the Queen and, uh, you know, and pay their respects, yada, 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 all that shebang. So that is all happening in the background. But we are in a pub 
And it's, uh, I suppose it's a relatively busy outside of the pub because it's a nice summer's evening or early autumn evening. Upstairs, it's dead. There's like nobody there. And that's where we find ourselves because we're having what Maureen would enjoy as in a proper pub beige dinner, okay? So... Um, chips. There's chips on every plate. Yes, just basically chips. So we've ordered our food and then we said to each other, well, let's have, you know, what does everyone want? And we're like, oh, let's get a bottle of wine. Let's get a bottle of wine. Let's get a bottle of wine. So we order a bottle of wine. Absolutely no problems there. And then they produce three plastic cups. And I said, oh, we're not going outside, so we're, we're going to eat up here. So could we, could we, we, we get glasses? There's, there's loads of glasses everywhere. And he said, oh, no. Um, he said, he's a young guy. He muttered something like, uh, because of the Queen. Um, I said, uh, because of the Queen. He said, oh, yeah, we're just, uh, just having plastic cups. I said, "What? Why are we having plastic cups because of the Queen?" And he went, "It's uh, it's just a thing that we're we're just having plastic cups because of the Queen." I said, "So out of respect for the Queen, <laughs> who has died, we are all drinking out of plastic cups inside a pub." I said, "I I tell you what, I tell you what, nothing's going to happen to this glass because I'm in my mid forties and I have been drinking out of glass for quite some time. I'm actually quite au fait with it. Something I'm actually pretty good at." What I do is I lift the glass to my mouth and I drink. Anyway, this guy's like, it's not his fault. He's like 12. I don't even know what he's doing in a pub, actually. I was like, why aren't you at school? Anyway, he, he was like, no, it was just a thing. I said, I, well, it's, it's, I said, it's an absolutely fucking mental thing to say to me that I cannot have a glass. I said, we're going to drink the glass, then you're going to put it in a dishwasher and wash it. And he went, okay, so there's nothing I can do. It's, it's, it's a pub policy. Anyway, so... We sit down with our bottle of wine and plastic cups and I was like still wanging on about this ages afterwards going, I can't believe we're going to have to drink out of plastic cups. This is crazy. So one of my mates, Sonia, says, why don't we just nick three glasses? So my <laughs> other friend, Alia, who is at the bar, is looking and we're like saying to her, nick the glasses. And she's like, oh, fuck it. So she takes three glasses, okay, because we're and, and brings it over to the where we have our bottle of wine. And we're about to pour the wine into the glasses because we're grown-ups. And this other 11-year-old comes over and goes, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to... You, you can't use glasses. And I said to them, I want to know the logic behind you saying that we have to drink plastic cups. We're inside. And he said... I said, it's, you know, it's because of the Queen. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I said to her, this isn't what the Queen would have wanted. She wouldn't have wanted three middle-aged women to drink out of plastic cups on, you know several days after her death. She would have been like, please give these women glasses. They deserve it. They deserve glass. They deserve to drink out of glass. I don't know. It takes the enjoyment out of drinking yep. wine when you feel like you're... I could be outside some bins or something. I'm like, what is going on? Anyway, that really got my go. And I haven't let it go. And it's still... To this day, we never managed to get a reason why we had to, why we had to drink out of plastic cups. It was absolutely bonkers. And I said, tomorrow, are you drinking out of plastic cups? And they were like, oh, I, don't, I think so. Yeah, we're drinking out of plastic cups. I mean, I, was like, I said, I won't be coming back to this pub, mostly because it's in Victoria. And I, why would I go there? That's weird. But also because of the plastic cup thing. So that, that's what got my go. I mean, it's not, I suppose, saying it out loud, it seems a lot less annoying. But um... Do you know what it is? I bet you they're just like trying to save on energy running their dishwasher i bet you they're not they're trying to avoid like i literally think they're just going to throw the plastic cups away afterwards of course they go they're not going to recycle the plastic cups yeah no. I've, I, I should have said to them have you thought about the ocean are, are, we, are we thinking about the environment here that every single person has to have a disposable cup i mean that's absolutely bonkers when you have glass which you can then wash maybe the dishwasher was broken their dishwasher wasn't mm. broken because i saw them washing glasses i said who was drinking out those glasses and they were like oh that was from yesterday i went from yesterday and i believe you i love that it's because of the queen they kept it just kept saying because of the queen it's because of the queen and i was like you i said you need to find out why and i said i can't be the only person that's asking you about this plastic cup situation everybody else was drinking out plastic cups they seemed happy i couldn't get my head around it i was like i just i wanted to go around to people and go are you happy about the plastic cup situation as an adult, and we're inside, bearing in mind, we could have had glass. Have you seen the amount of glasses they've got back there? They've got enough for all of us. No one, everybody else was quite happy drinking out of plastic. No one seemed at all perturbed by this whole situation. But myself, and not just me, my two friends, we were all in a state of erasure. We were annoyed, so. Yes. Oh, anyway, that's what's got my goat. Plastic cups.
Well, I don't blame you. Wine is supposed to be drank in a wine glass. There's a reason why there's a wine glass. I know. It, t- I it know. ruins the flavor. I'm with you, Jen. I know. I don't want to drink anything out of a plastic cup. And also, there's something about having wine in a plastic cup. It just kind of looks like a urine sample. Do you know what I mean? This is white wine, by the way, just in case you're thinking, God, there's something gone horribly wrong. Women talking bollocks. If you have enjoyed WTB, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a little review. Or you can check out our socials now on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and you never know, we may even get on TikTok. And if you do like the show, please do have a look at our Patreon for bonus content and weekly treats. Well, that did. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.